You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Doug Robbins. Well, as we find our nucleus today, let me ask you a question. Uh, how many of you are artists and creatives? Just raise your hands real quick. Got some artists and creatives here? Good. We got a few of us here today. Well, that was the question that was asked by a guy named Gordon McKenzie, who was the creative director at Hallmark for over 30 years. Uh, he wrote a really great book called uh, Orbiting the Giant Hairball. And in this book, he tells the story in the introduction of going to a kindergarten classroom. And he asked that question in front of a group of kindergartners. He said, how many of you are artists? and all the children raise their hands. And then he contrasts that with going to a sixth grade classroom. And in the sixth grade classroom, he asks the same question, how many of you are artists and only two kids raise their hands? And what he surmised was is that the system somehow is beating the creativity and the artistry out of children. And so... Uh, Part of the reason that I did this man cave series is because I had the sense that many of our men were being beat down emotionally and spiritually, and I would add to that today creatively. I believe that there are forces at work in the world that are trying to suck away our creativity, men. And part of this is due to uh, the Industrial Revolution that happened in this country some years ago. And certainly there are good parts of the Industrial Revolution because we got mass-produced cars out of that, right? However, one of the bad side effects was it systematized human beings like machines, tried to create a scenario in which human beings had to operate like machines, and men, we are not machines. Look at what Gordon McKenzie says in his book. I think what's happening is that you're being tricked out of one of the greatest gifts every one of us receives at birth. That is the gift of being an artist, a creative genius. Now look, men, if you're like me, Maybe you hear all these stories of, you know, being creative, and maybe you've heard the story of Gordon McKenzie today or something like it. You've heard some motivational speaker at a conference or something like that, and you think, you know, that's kind of sweet and precious to be a little artist, like a little kindergarten kid and all of that. But, you know, you, you kind of, at some point in life, you have to grow up and be a man. You have to put away all that kind of stuff, you know, and just GSD. You know what GSD stands for? It's like get stuff done, you know. You have to kind of grow up and be a man and do that. And certainly the Bible does teach us that there is a time for us to grow up, like Paul says uh, in one part of the New Testament of the Bible, is that, you know, when I was a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, um, I spoke as a child, but when I became a man, I put childish things away. And that is true. But if you understand the nuance of the Scripture and look at the whole of Scripture, you would understand uh, that there's a sense in which as we mature, we have to keep our childlike heart. Let me take you to the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 18. Look at verse 3. Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like what? Children you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Look at verse four of Matthew 18. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this little what? Child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And then uh, flip channels over to Matthew 19, 14. But Jesus said, let the little what? Children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And look, when we get into heaven, we're going to see some of the most whimsical, 
childlike, silly, creative artists we've ever experienced in our existence. The kingdom of God is made up of children. When we have a childlike heart, we have to have that to get into the kingdom of God. We have to have that to receive inheritance and ownership of things in the kingdom of God. And you're considered great in the kingdom of God when you're silly like a child and you keep that part of your heart as you grow to mature. And nothing will suck the child creative heart out of you like machismo. And that's why throughout this series, every week, I've repeated it over and over again, we want to be a man beyond machismo, okay? When I say that big idea again, I want you to get your machismo. The way I picture it is like, like your lips go like this and say, so try and do your best machismo face. And when I get to it, I'll point to you when I get to the word machismo and you'll say that word with me. Ready? Be a man beyond Machismo. Okay, they were really good down here on the front row at uh, saying the word machismo. But uh, today, I want to drill down on this one idea, is that to be a man beyond machismo means to be a creative cultivator. So I'm going to divide the room in half, right down the middle, all the way up to the back of the balcony. And when I point to you guys, I want you to say creative. And I want to, when I point to you guys, I want you to say cultivator. Are you ready? To be a man beyond machismo means being a creative cultivator. Good. And ladies, remember, and by the way, ladies, I know some of you have watched some of the men in your life have the creativity sucked out of them as they're beat down in this life. And that's why we've said every week, we need your help. We need your encouragement, ladies. That's why we've given the pen challenge. The P in pen stands for pray. Pray for your men. Seriously, really pray for uh, at least one of the men in your life, whether it's your brother or your husband or your uh, dad or son. And also, uh, there's the E in pen, encourage. And that is write a note. Send a text. Some of you ladies can text faster than I can talk. And like, I, I, if you if not encourage your man at some point during this series through a text message, a note, or something, uh, I hope that you'll feel like a blanket of Catholic guilt on you right now if you don't. So maybe text right now while I'm talking because I know you have the capacity to mental multitask, uh, ladies. But then the N in pen stands for no nagging. Now, you remember that whole fleas thing, right? We took a pledge a couple of weeks ago, all the ladies did, that if I nag during this series, the fleas of a million camels on your armpits. And so protect your armpits, ladies, and don't nag. Uh, we don't want any fleas coming your way. But let's look at men first as creators. And we get this idea and this concept all the way back in the beginning parts of the Bible as we see men as creators. And God, the first thing he did was he created, right? Look at Genesis 1.27. So God created in his own image, in the image of God, he created him uh, male and female. He created them and God blessed them. And so creativity is an overflow of our spirituality for this reason. All of us, even if you don't believe in God, have been created in God's image and his likeness. And so it is natural for creativity to, to flow out of us as we connect with our God DNA. Um, and when we walk with God and we see the injustices of this world, we dream about creating a better world. Now, there's this book that I really like on this subject, and it was written by Erwin McManus. It's called uh, The Artisan's Soul. And in this book, Erwin encourages us to dream Dream about your future. 
And you know what machismo does? It shuts down your dreams. Dream about your future. Some of you need to dream again. Dream about maybe experiencing love again one day. Dream um, about sobriety. If the substance has got the best of you, you're dreaming about a future without having to be a slave to a substance. Dream about uh, your preferred future in a career because some of you are tired of just going through the motions at work and you want to connect your passions with how you make uh, your living there. Dream again. And the reason dreams are so important is because dreams are the substance from which you and I create. Oftentimes you have a dream in your head or in your heart that God has placed there and that is the thought or the mental picture that you work from with which to begin to create a different future in your life. Sometimes that future doesn't turn out exactly like the dream was in your head. Sometimes it's even better than what you could have imagined in your heart or in uh, your head. And the question today is not, will you create or will you not create, but it's what will you create? And uh, here's why that is true, is that if your soul is sick, then you will create chaos and pain in the lives of the people around you that need you to have a good dream on the inside. If your dream is tainted, then so will be what you create in your life. And um, as we think about creating today, um, I want to give this one disclaimer, and that is creativity is not just for the painters and, uh, you know, the sculptors, the performance artists and the like. You can create in whatever you endeavor to do with your life. For example, you can create as a dentist. My father-in-law was a very creative dentist, and he created special ways with which dentistry wouldn't be a pain. When he'd give you a shot in your mouth, you hardly even knew that he gave you the shot. He got so good at it. You can be creative as an accountant. I don't mean do creative accounting, but what I do mean is that some accountants are very creative in the way that they help people understand to manage their resources. You can be creative in construction, learning to reuse and repurpose materials to create something beautiful in whatever you're building. Plumbers can be creative in the way that they show us how to conserve and reuse water, see? Um, landscapers can be creative, and your palette or um, your canvas is someone's yard, and you can create something beautiful. I thank God for the creative hairstylist. I won't go to a hairstylist that didn't, doesn't consider themselves to be an artist, and they take what little materials I give them left, you know, uh, to, to work with and try at the best they can to create something. And those of you that are school teachers, I particularly appreciate your creativity in the classroom when you care about what you're doing, and you're not just reading notes off a page, but you create an experience, an environment in which students can learn. It's a beautiful thing. I've got a friend here in our church who works in healthcare, and creativity even works there as well. He runs a hospital, and one of the first things that he did was he had a statue, he had a, a sculptor make a beautiful sculpture and put it out in front of his hospital because he wanted the, the, the community to know that creativity was valued there, and I'm glad he did that because I believe there's a connection between beauty and aesthetics and healing at the same time. God created us unique to be able to experience beauty, see, uh, so, many city church attenders have contributed to what we call the Restore Fund. 
to make this theater a more beautiful place. It wasn't just to get us up to code so we could legally assemble here, which was a big part of the motivation, but it was also because we believe that church ought to be a beautiful place, certainly using the resources we have to get the most bang for our buck, design on a dime, and create a space where people experience beauty because to experience beauty is oftentimes to experience God in the midst of it. And when God was doing a building project, look at what he did in the Old Testament. And we're going to see this in 1 Chronicles twenty-two fifteen. It says, you have an abundance of workmen, stone cutters, masons, carpenters, and all kinds of craftsmen without number, skilled in working gold, silver, bronze, and iron. Arise and work. The Lord be with you. And so God is with you as you take the skills that you have with your hands to create. There's a, a metal worker in our church. His name is Simon. And he's in the process right now of building and creating a sign for us that's going to go right outside the doors, out the front porch of the cameo. And along with his wife, um, Autumn, they have this business called Wanderlust Ironworks. And I want to show you today by way of video what Simon said, like I kind of just did that, Simon said, right? Uh, Simon said uh, he connects his spirituality with his creativity. Take a look. There are probably a lot of people out there, a lot of men out there that that don't pursue any of their creative interests. And to me, it always feels sort of like this sad, untapped thing. Like you might be the greatest woodcarver of all time, or you might be the greatest photographer. So I started welding um, in art school in a studio art program and uh, your first step is sort of to explore the materials that are out there and when we got to steel it was so forgiving you could always reattach it to itself. Aside from wood if you make a cut it's over with so that, that sort of forgiving nature uh, was interesting to me. I knew all these real sleek fabricating techniques. And then I learned really traditional old fire hammer anvil techniques. And just to marry the two together, uh, you don't see that often with our line of work. I felt like I could make furniture, I could make art, I could make architectural accents for big buildings or small homes. The opportunities are so expansive with steel, I mean, as a material. Me and my wife, Autumn, uh, were just partner straight up and down on really every aspect of it um, from like quoting things and doing rough drawings for a client. Honestly, we, we don't feel like we're working. I mean, we get in here and we get to be creative and a lot of our projects more and more as we go, uh, our clients just trust our creative intuition and so we just get to come in here and basically make art projects, you know, that someone else is going to purchase. Just the random nature of how our business operates, our own personal endeavors into the art world give us little baby hops from, oh, if we can do this, we can do this, and it's from one step to the next. I zone out every time I'm working. For me, that's my prayer time. That's when I talk to God, I have headphones on, I play music I've heard a thousand times before, it becomes background. Subconsciously are getting better and better at what you're doing, your hands are learning as you learn. I've always been proud to get to create things just kind of out of thin air. To me, that seems manly to me to kind of forge your own path. It's also attractive 
to women. I got my wife through creativity, and uh, you know, I'm in here doing this for a living, and I love it. I think it's fun. What a great story. So, men, not only are we supposed to be creatives, but we're also supposed to be cultivators. Now, I want to take you back to Genesis just for a minute and see this cultivation in Genesis 3.23. It says, he sent Adam out to what? Cultivate the ground from which he had been made. And men naturally gravitate towards cultivating things. So, ladies, how many of you uh, know a man who has a car and he just can't quit modifying his car. Well, modifying is cultivation. And then how many of you know a musician who's a man, and maybe he plays guitar, and he keeps buying more guitar pedals, right? The reason he does that is because he's cultivating his skill. He's honing it. Or what? how about uh, any ladies know a guy that keeps going back to Home Depot because he can't stop doing house projects? You know what he's doing? He's cultivating his house. Or guys who are into computers, the mantra of a cultivating computer guy is upgrade, 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 all the time, upgrading and increasing performance and power. That is cultivation, see? It's natural to cultivate your business. It's natural also to cultivate your home, your wife, and your kids, all the relationships that God has for you. But what I wanna show you next is that, men, when we're not creating and cultivating, we're corrupting. Did you catch that? When we cease creating and cultivating, we gravitate towards corrupting. What happens is, is that uh, we'll sit there and we'll get bored and then we'll struggle with stuff. And a lot of guys, as I've mentioned in the past couple of weeks, struggle with lust and porn. And I know what some of you guys are thinking. Some of you guys are thinking, Pastor Doug, you keep bringing that up. Would you please stop talking about it? No, I will not stop talking about it. I'll tell you when I'll stop talking about it. It's when I'm convinced that there are no men in our church struggling with lust and porn. And the reason I'm so angry about that kind of stuff is I've seen it destroy men. And here's what happens. When you sit there and just consume all the time, you're consuming someone else's dream. You're sitting in front of a screen all the time with a mobile device or a TV at home, and you're consuming someone else's dream. And their dream may be dysfunctional. Their dream may turn into your nightmare someday if you can't transform that dream and allow God to insert the new dream that he has for you to be lived out. And you know one of the ways that I keep myself from falling back into any of that is I like to restore and create stuff. So the other day, I found myself with a night off, and uh, rather than just sitting around and, uh, you know, watching another show on Netflix or something like that, I drove around the east side, and it was junk collection time, and I picked up a mattress, a little kid mattress, and I changed it into a light fixture that we installed next door on the third floor at Kid City. And I love doing that kind of stuff because it's like something that was just in a junk pile, see? And I love seeing stuff that other people consider to be 
like junk or useless that's transformed or restored into something that's useful and perhaps even beautiful because I thank God that he didn't leave me in the junk pile whenever I had jacked up my life with all kinds of sins and stuff. You know what I mean? So if we are not creating and cultivating men, we can lean towards corruption. It's why your lady keeps giving you the honeydew list because a busy man is a happy man. But Mark Lasser is this author and a scholar. I really love this guy. Uh, He has lived free from sexual addiction for over 30 years, and he wrote this really great book, and it's called The Seven Principles of Highly Accountable Men. And in this book, he challenges sex addicts to consider the Old Testament story of Nehemiah. Now, if you're not familiar with Nehemiah's story, Nehemiah was a guy who was building a wall. He's known for the guy that built the wall. He was restoring the walls of the city of Jerusalem to make it a viable place to live and work again. So basically, what Mark Lasser is asking men is, with the time that you have right now, men, where's the wall that you're building? That's just another way of asking, what are you cultivating or what are you creating? What are you cultivating or what are you creating? King Solomon in the Old Testament of the Bible was a man who was known for his wisdom, right? And if you read through his story and read history, you would know that he rebuilt the temple, which was one of the wonders of the ancient world. But you'll notice that as Solomon kicked back and just started to chill and was no longer creating or cultivating, he corrupted, didn't he? And his heart went after the gods of his many wives that he was involved with. See, he corrupted so men. Let's create and cultivate. Are you bored right now? Create and cultivate. Now, since we're cultivators, men, we've got to understand one of the most significant principles of cultivation, and it's the law of the harvest. And the law of the harvest is found in Galatians 6, 7. Look at that text with me where Paul says, do not be deceived, God's not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he will also reap. And so the law of the harvest is just like gravity. I mean, if I drop a ball here in San Antonio, Texas, it's gonna do the same thing that it does if I go to Africa or Europe and drop that ball It works almost every single time. It's very, very predictable, the law of gravity and the law of the harvest as well. Look, the the law of the harvest doesn't care whether you're black, white, brown, educated or not. It works almost every time. And so what you want to do is use it in your favor, see? Uh, So let me show you a definition of the law of harvest. It states that the seeds you cultivate today become your success tomorrow. Your future success is completely predictable based upon what you're cultivating right now. You're either cultivating destruction for the future or you're cultivating the seeds of success and beauty and art that honors God for the future in your different relationships and roles. I bring up relationships because the law of the harvest is so significant in cultivating our relationships. Now, men, we have different roles in life, women too. Um, We have the role of Christ follower, right? And that should be at the center of all of our other relationships. But we also have the role of our career and what we do for a living, or we have the role of being a parent, some of you. Some of you have the role of being a child, the role of a sibling to your brothers and sisters, the role of a friend, and also the role that you play with your spouse. 
Which one of those roles needs cultivation right now? And as I bring that up, some of you men are thinking, you know what? I realize that my kids are drifting from me right now, and I need to cultivate there right now. Others of you, it's time to start cultivating your relationship with your wife because uh, what's happening is you grow grow older and older. uh, You start to think, well, you know, the old model doesn't run like she used to, and you start to corrupt, don't you? But if you'll cultivate her, that relationship can be close and significant, see? Chris Koch is a friend here in the church, and he's known as a man who's cultivated his marriage relationship with his wife, Anita, so much so that now couples are going to Chris and Anita, uh, Anita and asking them, will you mentor us as a couple? So we sat down with uh, Chris and Anita recently, and we brought you their story by way of video, how they're cultivating their marriage relationship. Take a look. You know, I had this fantasy of the Cinderella life, you know, and when that wasn't happening, (laughs) I was like, okay, what's going on here? This is, you know, I thought this was what marriage was all about, you know, and it's like uh, we're fighting a lot, we're disagreeing a lot, we're not seeing eye to eye. You know, prior to meeting Anita, uh, I didn't really think highly of relationships. So it was either it's going to work or it's not. If it's not, I can just bail out whenever I want to. In the military, after going through two uh, tours to Iraq, struggling with PTSD, hit rock bottom in 2007. So that's when we found City Church. And, uh, and that's when our life changed and started taking a turn. And that's when we really got tied in. We had gone into a really big argument. And I said, look, we need to do re-engage. We need to do PTO. I mean, really, we're, we're at... Um, it's almost like the end for me, like if we, we need to do something. You know, I agreed. I was like, okay, let's go ahead and do it. And going through re-engage, if anyone's ever been through it, it ain't easy. Uh, it takes a lot of swallowing your pride. He, he had a lot of humility and humbling himself through that re-engage because there was a lot of times where maybe I could have humbled myself. And it was just like so amazing to see him take that step and say, you know what, I'm going to be the one to say sorry, or I'm going to be the one to make it right. And so it was, it was just amazing to see that in him because before it, it was just really tough. And I thought, you know, let's give my marriage a chance. Let's really give it an honest chance. Listening to those nudges, you know, those things I used to just pass off as, that's just me talking, but now God's always like, Chris, man, What's going on? Step up, you know, you know, do do what you're supposed to be doing. You need to cultivate this marriage. You need to be the guy. You need to take need to take the lead. That leadership that I've been wanting so much from him, that spiritual leader, it just affects me and just overwhelms my heart because I'm like, wow, this is what I've always wanted, you know. Now I, I feel like I can approach him with anything and be open with him about anything. We're actually enjoying our marriage now and it, it has just been a blessing. And it's all just because of what we're doing, what we're getting, what we're putting into this experience with God. And uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. I'm just glad I did it. And you know, Chris is a former Airborne Ranger who found healing from PTSD in the midst of cultivating his wife, 
And look, Ben, some of us have cultivated other relationships that don't need to be cultivated, that need to be cut off and start cultivating and watering our lives. And that's where we find fulfillment, just like Chris did. Because some of us come here today with a dissatisfaction in life and a longing, a longing where you're looking for something, you're longing for something, and you've had success in different areas of your life. It's like career success, check. You know, it's like, man, I've got this money now and I've been successful at what I do, but I'm still longing for something and I don't get that. Because I thought that fulfillment came through what you do. And I've moved from relationship to relationship to relationship to find love, but I still find myself unfulfilled. What's the deal? For others, you've tried like a lot of different substances and highs and thrills and stuff like that. I mean, you've jumped out of an airplane and you've snorted up stuff and drank stuff and smoked stuff and shot stuff. And it's like thrill, 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 thrill. But why does it leave me so empty? And others of you are going through what I would call the tilling of the ground. Your heart's like the ground. And sometimes as God is a cultivator, he tills up your heart. And it hurts, doesn't it? Some of you are like, yes, this really sucks right now. You know what's going on there? God's cultivating your heart. He's, he's stirring it up so that he can plant a seed there, water it, and grow. And for you, it's about hanging on while you go through the cultivation tilling phase of life to see the seed grow. Wait for it to grow. It's not going to happen overnight. Be patient. But others of you have that longing and you're like, what, what is that? Why does my heart keep nagging at me? And I've been successful. I've tried stuff. I've traveled the world and all that, but I still haven't found it. Well, look at what C.S. Lewis says about it. If we find ourselves with the desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. And look, you connect with that other world, that other reality, the kingdom through Jesus Christ by simply believing that when he died on the cross, he did so to pay the penalty for your sins. And it's something beyond what you can fathom you'll experience in heaven someday. And you know the reason that God brought you here, some of you here today? He's been tilling your heart and tilling and tilling like a farmer, like a cultivator, because he wants to bring you to faith in Jesus today. And he wants to plant the seed in your heart of the gospel that will sprout forth and grow into a new creation. That's what God does. He says, if any person's in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away and old things have become new. And that's what he wants to do in your life and your heart today. So what do you say we pray? And we talk to him. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads. And if you're new to prayer and new to church, it's like we close our eyes so we can just kind of focus on God and kind of take out all the distractions to just focus our conversation and our hearts and our thoughts with God in prayer. And if you're sensing that he drew you here to meet him today, I want you to just talk to him. Just think to him because he's so powerful. He can read your thoughts. And just think to him. God, look, I know I've screwed up and sinned, but the best I understand it, in this moment right now, I'm choosing to believe that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he died there to pay the penalty for my sin. 
and I welcome you into my life to do your creative best in me. Others of us are praying, saying, God, I'm going to make a commitment to cultivate a relationship. And that relationship is my wife. That relationship is my husband. That relationship is one of my kids. That relationship is my mom as she's aging. That relationship is my little brother who needs my encouragement. That relationship is my sister who needs me right now. I am going to cultivate. And others of us are saying, God, get me through this tilling time. God, I feel it every day. I, I, <laughs> so painful. God, place within my heart a dream that will get me through this difficult time. Thank you, God, for all the prayers that are being uttered here today in response to your spirit. And we pray all these things in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.